Welcome to the Two Wealth Show, a show that shares how you can create real wealth for you and your family. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Bogard, and my co-host is Elizabeth Sickles, aka Super E. I am a real estate note investor specializing in performing residential real estate debt. I find the deals, acquire them for my own portfolio, as well as educate investors while walking them through the process of owning a real estate note. My co-host, Super E, a real estate investor, specializing in short-term rentals and the management of them. She connects investors with short-term tenants and manages everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Bright Path Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. You can find out more information by visiting our websites at brightpathnotes.com and elizabethmayora.com. Hey everybody, this is Justin Bogard from Bright Path Notes, co-host on the Two Wealth Show, and I'm Elizabeth Mayora Sickles with Elizabeth Mayora. Hi Elizabeth, how are you? I am great. How are you today? Doing pretty well. I did get a stimulus check today. Congratulations. Yeah, that was I wasn't expecting that. It just kind of showed up in the bank account. Hopefully it wasn't fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were gonna get so get out so quickly. I didn't know either. I, was, I wasn't anticipating it going straight to my bank account, but that was a nice surprise. So, hey, I'll take it. Excellent. Yeah, so everybody make sure you check to see if you've gotten your stimulus checks. That's right. So, Elizabeth, this is episode seven of our second season. And um, I know you and I know this, but maybe some of our viewers don't know this, but we've already had over 100 downloads on our podcast. So, thanks, thanks everybody, hey. for listening. We appreciate yeah. it. And that doesn't include our video cast that we have on our YouTube channels. I just, just about our, our podcasts on the podcast channels, whatever you call it, the podcast directories. I get them confused. I'm still new at this too. <laughs> well, we appreciate everybody listening and sharing and liking. So thank you very much. Absolutely. It's, it's quite an honor to have people actually make comments and listen to you be like, okay, well maybe what I have to say resonated with somebody and that's good. That's all we can ask for. Right. That's right. All right. So Elizabeth, what do we have uh, for episode seven today? What do you want to get into? So this is the middle of April, just so you guys know when we're recording this, and we're going to talk about what we feel are going to be the opportunities coming forward whenever we get out of this quarantine. And <laughs> so, and what's interesting is that Justin and I are on, we think what's going to happen is very different. So it'll be a lively discussion, um, not no yelling or anything like that because we respect each other, but right. um, we're going to be really interested to see what you all think about this as well. So it should be a very good topic. Well, let's, let's get right into it. And um, so just for background clarity, for those that you that may not have listened to all of our episodes in the first season or the second season, um, Meet Justin Bogart here. I am a real estate note investor, so I invest in the debt on real estate. So things like mortgages, uh, trust deeds, and seller finance paper like land contracts and agreement for deeds. Those, that's the type of paper that we invest in. We also help create it and we sell it as well. And Elizabeth, give us a little bit of background on you. Sure. So we do all things short-term rentals. So we do all the designing, construction consults, furnishing, and then um, coaching, teaching, and um, all the hosting and property management. Right on. Okay. So Elizabeth, from your world, we're both in real estate. 
And I think um, we both can agree, and I'll, I'll let you you talk to this point as well, is that there is a problem right now. There is, uh, I don't know if I would call it a crisis, but there's definitely a problem now. There are, are people that have lost jobs. There are people that have lost income because maybe their business doesn't receive a lot of income because they may be non-essential. And so that causes a problem for the business's employees as well. And so I believe that when we come out of this quarantine, that there are going to be some opportunities. Um, and those opportunities, I believe, are going to be in the, in the I, I don't know how to word this. I guess I would say in the lending, there would be a lot of opportunities. And what I see happening is that a lot of people, the working class and the middle class, are going to need some help with uh, either purchasing a home maybe refinancing their home or figuring out how to get in a different home because maybe with their job situation or their income situation, things have decreased for their household income. And so they may have to figure out a new solution. So I'm being proactive and I'm preparing for the fact that we're going to be ready to help uh, borrowers out and we're going to be starting to lend uh, on homes to be the private bank on their property. Meaning these bigger banks and I've kind of seen it with Chase was sending out a few, excuse me, a few messages through social media and stuff is that they're getting tighter with their lending criteria. They're going to be requiring more down payment and they're going to be a little bit more stringent because they realize that the days of, you know, the smaller down payments of maybe like 1% or a few thousand dollars down is probably not going to be a viable solution for them. And so I see this as potentially uh, borrowers are going to need to have more cash to put down on uh, properties, so to speak. So that's kind of my quick take on it. Elizabeth, I'll kind of let you jump in and give me your take on it. Sure. I think that we're going to see levels of foreclosure that are way past what we saw in eight, nine, 10 and 11, because not only is this, a, I mean, there are businesses that are shut down and they're not going to be opening back up. And if you think about, too, the car companies, I was talking to one of my buddies in Nashville. So Nissan there has 8,000 employees. And at first, they said, well, you know, we're going to be able to bring everybody back. But just two weeks ago, they said, well, we think we can bring 2,000 people back. Oh, wow. 6,000 great paying jobs with benefits that are gone. And two, we have all of these, all the elective surgeries. So we have um, doctors that are used mm -hmm. to making excellent money, anesthesiologists, nurses, all of that, that they're not, they're not working at all. So, and just what I've seen, I mean, it, it really started hitting here in Indianapolis. March 11th was whenever they said, hey, we're going to cancel the NCAA. So that's when our cancellations started coming through. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't even think we've we've begun to see what's going to happen. So where, so there's always opportunity. So I want to make sure people understand that. Yeah. Always, always opportunity. You just got to be ahead of it and be prepared for it. So I agree with you, Justin, that there is going to be a ton of opportunity in the private lending. Um, because one of the other things that happened that has happened with FHA loans that, and these numbers are not right. So don't quote me on these, but <laughs> What it was pre-COVID-19 was um, you had to have a credit score of either 520 or 540. And as of the beginning of last week, they had already raised that to either 620 or 640. That's huge. That's for FHA? FHA. 
yes, I, think, and- I think it might have been 620 to 640 was the was the bar and it might have raised to 720 740 or do you think it really was 520 to 620 yeah it, it was it was a lot lower okay so if if my numbers are right so i apologize i don't i should have looked it up i didn't think about it but <laughs> at, at any rate there's a big jump in what they're going to have to qualify for and that that 100 um, points on the credit is a big jump. That's huge. Yeah. So, so Elizabeth, you mentioned something that, that I probably disagree with more than anything you said. Um, and I do agree with, we're both on the same page about opportunity and real estate and lending and, and the foreclosures I believe will go up. Uh, I don't believe it'll go up to the magnitude of the 2009, 2008 financial crisis where in 2010, 11, 12, there was just a big, influx of housing foreclosures. Um, the way I see it, the way I saw it uh, with, with stuff that I've studied and talked about is that that was truly a financial crisis, meaning housing was overinflated as in 2006 to where houses were just worth a tremendous amount worth than they were a few years before that. And the lending criteria was so, um, what do I want to say, light. I mean, the, the saying, um, used to be Elizabeth was if you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. So if somebody made $50,000, I'm just throwing that out there, they could get like a half million dollar home or maybe two of them. I mean, it was, it was that ridiculous to where people were completely over leveraged and they were, they over the banks over lend to borrowers. So I definitely saw that financial crisis as being a huge foreclosure opportunity because it made that made sense to me uh, you brought up some really good points about the elective surgery um, folks in the in the health industry and the people in the in the car market that you mentioned um, that that is going to be a problem that's going to be the reason why some foreclosures tick up the national average foreclosure foreclosure before March 1st was about 3.28 percent okay at the peak of the 2009, 2010, you know, crisis with foreclosures, I think it was around 2010 in February, the default rate was 11.5% as a national average. So that means, you know, 88, 87% of the homes across America were not in foreclosure, okay? Sounds much better, right? But when you're living through a default, it doesn't sound that good. So this crisis, we'll call it a crisis we have going on right now, is a um, pandemic. It's uh, virus or health related. And I do see foreclosures going up, but I don't see foreclosures going up to that magnitude or even worse. I have read a lot of things where people think that we're going to go into a depression as if we've never seen a recession as if we've never seen before like the Great Depression Mm -hmm. in 1929. Um, I'm not a uh, an economy major. I, I can't see the future, but with the data that I have in front of me and what I'm seeing today, I don't really see that happening. Um, I'm grateful that the government is able to, you know, help bail out uh, small businesses and help keep things moving and the wheels greased for, for the payroll stuff. I don't know if you've done the, the payroll protection loan or anything like that. Uh, we, we applied for it as well. Uh, just to get things going. And it does help kind of move the needle a little bit past April and May just to see if things calm down. But for, from my perspective, Elizabeth, I don't see foreclosures being as large as it was. I think 
where we typically stay between four and five and a half percent as a national default rate for foreclosures. And I think we may get up to five or six percent in the short term at the kind of the tail end of 2020. But we'll see. Uh, I've been wrong before. Uh, but that's kind of my stance on it. So I definitely see, think there is going to be foreclosures going to go up, but I don't think it's going to be that magnitude. And that was kind of the reasons why. Well, I think too. So I went on Monday and so for our houses that are vacant right now, um, I'm going and checking them every week to 10 days, just, you know, making sure everything's okay. Yeah. And it's so interesting because there's still construction people at working because that's an essential business. Yeah. But even compared to, the last time I made my rounds to on Monday, there were less houses being worked on. Okay. You know, we just had Disney that announced two days ago that they're furloughing 43,000 people. So the ramifications of that, I mean, just think about all the suppliers. Not only do you have food, but you also have the vendors that make the costumes and the laundry detergent so consumable. So this isn't just a, oh, well, people aren't going to be going to Disney World right now. Right everything that the supply chain is unbelievable for those. Um, so I, I think, and I do think that our real estate, it's kind of interesting because I've listened to a lot of differing opinions too on, yeah. on the side, right? But I think that our real estate and what you know, cause you've seen the prices in Fountain Square. I mean, gosh, just in yeah. two and a half years that I've been here, how much they changed and how much they kept going up and up and up. So I, I personally think that we're going to have a huge correction on the pricing of properties as well. So I would say that if you do have properties that you want to get sold, it's probably the sooner the better <laughs> to get them on the market and make sure that you're getting your private financing in place now. Because um, I don't, I don't think that just personally, I don't think that we've begun to see the fallout of all of this. Yeah. And uh, you, you bring up some good points, Elizabeth, and there's some things that I haven't looked into. And this is why the conversation is so good. The debate, we'll call it debate between us, because there are things that you see that I don't see. And there's things that probably I see or have seen that you haven't seen. And it's great to have this conversation because you are changing a little bit of my tone about, you know, how serious the ramifications can be. And I just keep going back to what are, what is the U.S. population today? What do you think it is? Oh. I don't know. I just know throw a number. Million. Um, yeah. hundred million or, um, or not hundred. I don't. Yeah. It'd be, I wish I had some data points to that as well, but I guess what I'm getting at is there is a, there are markets and we both can probably point them out with on one hand, the hot, the, the markets that are super overinflated across the country. And those markets, I believe the overinflated ones like on the West coast and San Francisco, we'll point that out because it's the most obvious one. Um, that one's definitely going to get hit with a correction. And I, I firmly believe that, but I don't believe every market will get hit like that. I just consider it in pockets. There's a lot of rural areas across the country that won't be affected that much by this because they haven't appraised in value dramatically. Like some of the other uh, cities have like, you know, Denver and you hear about Phoenix, those are really hot markets and Seattle were super hot markets. And those I think will get We'll get, get a, a firm slap in the face, if you will. And I think those markets will get corrected. And that could be the bulk of our foreclosures that come through um, if uh, people don't have you know, solid equity in them and, and aren't over leveraged at that point. But, you know, it's, um, it'll be interesting. Like, 
Uh, I've talked to a couple people and I've looked at our portfolio for our notes and I've looked at a couple other people's portfolio with their notes and I have some, some solid data to go off of and I haven't seen the borrowers be affected yet if they will be in March and or even April as of today. We still have payments rolling in and it seems like our portfolio is nearly what it was in February, January and the months before that, which is a really good sign to me, but maybe it's too early to tell. But for right now, it still looks pretty strong. Um, I was talking to some other folks, and they're more doom and gloom about the mortgage and the note business uh, for their own reasons. And maybe it's because they're seeing it from their perspective, and their portfolio is maybe hit a little harder. And I've heard some people that have a rental portfolio that they've only had 30 or 40% of their rents go in. And then I've heard another person say, well, I've had 85% of my rents come in. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that how you vetted and how you screened your borrower and or tenant before February or before March of 2020, it probably plays a significant role of how your cash flow is coming in, um, you know, during COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. Um, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing with, with the two months of data that I have in front of me and talking to different, different investors. So I think um, the people that will come out ahead of this not being scathed very much probably had very good, strong practices with their business model and how they um, vetted you know, tenants and screened tenants and borrowers and created uh, their cash flow stream that way off of that. So we were very, um, what do I want to say, conservative with the loans that we picked out for even our portfolio, especially our investors. And so I think that bode well so far, you know, May could be a totally different story. <laughs> well, give me some wood to knock on real quick, you know. Um, but that's, you know, for, so from my perspective, I'm not seeing things hit very hard just yet. And I think there will be, there'll be some tougher times. Um, but I don't, I don't see it to being that magnitude just yet because it seems to me, and this is just from my perspective and looking at the little town that I live in, in LaPelle, Indiana, is that there's a lot of folks still out there working. There's a lot of tradespeople still working and service providers still working. And it seems to be the real estate that we invest in um, for this side of the business is more of like working class homes and working class folks and working class areas. And they seem to have money still coming in, and which is, which is a good sign, which I see it as the bulk of um, our real estate um, as valued Properties valued at a probably one hundred and twenty or one hundred fifty thousand and lower. There's a lot more of those, and there are above one hundred fifty thousand dollars if you took the whole gambit of the United States. So as long as the working class and the working class homes are not severely affected, I think we'll come out of this not too bad. If that's mm -hmm. if I can say that. Um, so that's kind of my little spin on that, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I hope I'm wrong. And it's funny because I was, I was talking to somebody about what I, what I think is going to happen. And they're like, oh, well, you're just all doom and gloom. And I said, right. no, this is called reality. And the yeah. more, I think it's really important to listen to things on all different perspectives because you can digest and make your own decision and then you can plan accordingly. And so yeah. that's what I told my friend. I said, no, this is just, this is just what I think. And I am planning for that to, to be there to be an opportunity and to help people that need the help whenever we come out of this. So, um, even though, you know, some of it is, you know, some of it is sounds like doom and gloom, but it's also reality. I mean, it hit my business immediately yeah. and super hard. 
So, and I mean, I'm just glad that we also have traditional rentals because that money is still coming in. And I checked with my tenants um, last month and said, you know, hey, just wanted to see where where you guys are. Are you guys okay with your jobs? And so, and and all my tenants so so far are good. So, good. I, you know, yeah, yeah. So hope that, hope that hope that continues. But I just really want to point out that there is always opportunity. There are always things that you can do. Um, I mean, I have a, a buddy in California who's very wealth, very, very wealthy. And like he's doing DoorDash right now because he likes to stay busy and he's making, and, and he's college educated. He has his own businesses. Yeah. Um, and he's making a ton of money because people are like, oh gosh, thanks so much for delivering. So he's getting extra tips. And so, wow. yeah, there's, there is always a way. There are always things that you can be doing. and you know, if you, and there also, you know, people that are afraid of this, you know, you can wear the mask, you can change out your gloves all the time, delivering to people or just leave it on their doorsteps, you know, but, um, so I, I just definitely want to make sure our listeners know that. Absolutely. You bring up some good points there. That's, that's pretty neat about the DoorDash situation. I didn't really think about that, but that makes total sense. You're right. Because it's a necessity for people to get stuff delivered to them, especially if they run out of groceries or they just, you know, over, over here in, in the Bogard household, we have, you know, six people over here plus a dog. So it's like if, if we get pretty exhausted, you know, cooking and cleaning up for, you know, three, sometimes four meals a day, depending on which kid is the hungriest, you know. Um, so ordering out is something that is very enticing, you know, to have that luxury. Um, but I tell you what, Elizabeth, I, I kind of want to end this on, on some positive. And during this quarantine, Elizabeth, it's been the silver lining for me is mm-hmm. having the family time, getting to spend time with Vicky, being around her all day, being around the kids all day, as much as, you know, they can, they can drive you nuts sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't ask for a better situation because yeah. I realize now how much family time I didn't get when it was before March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that, you know, I definitely look forward to, to cherishing during this time of being together. So I'm pretty, that's the silver lining that I have during, during all this. Uh, the business is what it is. You know, we, we aren't really having like the best months that we've had before just because people are very timid about selling and buying at the moment, which is perfectly understandable and which is why that we're having the conversation today. But um, at a minimum, I, getting to spend time with the family is, is, has been unbelievable. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. Very good. So I'll have my birthday during this quarantine as well. When's your birthday? April 26th. Okay. Happy early birthday. Thank you very much. I don't even know how old I am. I have to, I have to go add it up. <laughs> I know I'm <laughs> over 40. <laughs> I know I'm over 40. But uh, Elizabeth, I know we're getting close on time, so I'm going to have my closing thoughts and I'll let you jump in on yours. I would say having some cash available now is probably a good idea for any of these opportunities that show up in real estate. I know with a thousand percent integrity that real estate is resilient in any of these down or up markets. And the worst I've ever seen it was the 2008, 2009 crash because of all the mortgage defaults. But the reasons is that I explained before. So I do see uh, opportunities with either purchasing real estate at a pretty good discount and also purchasing notes at a pretty good discount. But more or less, 
helping a borrower out. There's no better joy in the world being able to lend somebody some money on a property to have them live there and have them know they have that peace of mind saying, hey, this is my home and I got it. And they're happy to pay you every month. And those are the situations that we love the most uh, in our business. And we look forward to helping even more people out in the future. So that's what we're aiming towards, Elizabeth. And I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. And Elizabeth, give me your closing thoughts, my friend. Absolutely. So I think number one in the vacation industry that we're going to see a huge uptake in the professionally managed properties. Um, so I'm excited about that aspect of the job and what I'm doing, taking this time is to really evaluate the business and what are the aspects that I really love and then what are things that I need to get off my table. So whether you have your own business or if you're working for somebody, I would really, um, really encourage you to take this time to do some soul searching. So I'm, I'm making some very big changes. I'm also going to be making some big changes once we're able to um, start traveling again um, and just setting up my life for really how I want to live it moving forward. So um, there's a quote that I love and that's have goals so big that you're um, you don't like telling small minded people. So yes. Yeah, so take this time to really look at things and just enjoy um, the times so that you can't take available or take advantage of the opportunities that are coming. Absolutely. Elizabeth, that was awesome. That was a great debate today. I love hearing both sides of things. You've changed my opinion on a few things, so thanks for bringing stuff to light. And so I'm Justin Boger with Bright Path Notes, and uh, thanks for listening to Episode 7. Don't forget to check out the video cast on Bright Path Notes' YouTube channel or Elizabeth Mayora's YouTube channel. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take care. The Two Wealth Show is produced by Justin Bogart and Super E, sponsored by Bright Path Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. Thanks for listening and watching for our show. 